Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Maritime Deluxe. I'm Billy Cole. Today I am joined by Drew Gimon, who is going to be traveling throughout the country this year in his new van. He's going to be living out of his van and once he gets to British Columbia he will be planting trees. Uh, now we were supposed to record this episode in his van but unfortunately it wasn't ready to be driven up to Fredericton where I'm located so we had to do a zoom call but nonetheless take a listen and I hope you enjoy oh what's up Hello? oh fuck I'm on Brad's laptop so it's uh my name's Brad right now Say something. Hello. Testing. Hello. You're recording right now, right? Yes. I, I can I edit this out or I cannot. I like I to do, keep it authentic. Whatever, whatever it feels like. <laughs> How you been? I've been good, man. I'm trying to get the audio through my headset still right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll get that sorted out. The van is a Canadian tire right now. And I got to pick that up when it's ready. No, no worries. Figure that out later, though. Yeah. When did you take that there? Uh, it was at noontime when I took it. They're telling me there's a whole bunch more stuff that I got to do to get it. It's, it's Jeez. Uh, I'm going to find a nice gentleman who will inspect it for me anyways. Yeah, it's a lengthy process, it sounds like. Yeah, it is. Like, I had to get someone set up to come check it out before I bought it and stuff. Because I didn't want to just buy it and then be like, have $8,000 to put into it to be able to run it and stuff. And that was like just the beginning of the cost, just paying someone to go look at the van to see if I should even buy it. And since then, it's just everything else adds on to it. How much was it again to begin with? It was 3500 to begin with, like just buying it from the fellow Brent, who's an absolute, absolute gem, like a real, real good guy. Uh, so 3500 to buy it, and then I just spent $1,500 to Mackenzie Walters, who graduated a few years before us. Him and his dad have a little shop. They did all the body work for me on the car. Great people as well. They kind of taught me stuff because I'm not mechanically inclined. So they taught me about cars and few things that I have to look for and pay attention to. So $1,500, 3500 Insurance costs like $250 a month or something. Now tires going on will probably cost me like 600 I'd say. Yeah. Um, I set a budget of seven, so we're looking okay. Before we go any further with the van talk, uh, which is going to be, I'm really excited to talk about your whole plan this summer. Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself so to give the viewers an idea of who you are? Yeah, good call. See, I just know you, so I'm just hopping in. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> but uh, I'm Drew. I, uh, I grew up in Riverview, New Brunswick. I had moved to Riverview when I was around eight or nine from uh, a town outside of Boston, Massachusetts called West Springfield. I was not born, but my family were permanent residents of Las Vegas when I was born. It just so happened my uncles were having a wedding, so I'm born Canadian. And really the majority of my upbringing has been Canadian, you know, small town, Riverview, New Brunswick. Yeah. I, so, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was like, I'm just trying to fill silence. It's like, so who am I? That's a good question. <laughs> I find that question always 
throws people off and it's just something I use to like try and get things flowing yeah but then really have you ever been asked to tell someone who you are no not really usually you just kind of demonstrate it you know just by being yeah I I've never been asked that question I know I wouldn't know what to say I'm just a well, dude. who are you Billy I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the thing it's like we're trying to figure it out like <laughs> That's the biggest, like, that's a, that's a, a common theme in my life is like, I don't know who I am. I'd like to know one day. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I find uh, this year throughout the whole pandemic, you kind of start to learn a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, absolutely. But other than that, it's my whole life has just been like a mystery. I'm just yeah. going with it. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, So I wanted to ask you about your whole plan this summer so you bought this van mm-hmm. and you want to travel from nova scotia to british columbia yeah and to plant trees along the way is that the plant trees in british columbia when i get there okay. and then probably plant trees on the way back as well mm-hmm. I'm, okay. I'm curious to how this whole idea started for you because so you went to acadia for a couple of years yeah. And the past year, I think you've been selling cars. Yeah. I saw, I sold cars for a brief period of time. It wasn't totally my, my forte. It's a hard job, man. Like, like people, people, it's a very specific genre of being able to work that job. People that didn't, and I didn't quite have a salesperson in me, sadly. How many, fun. how many cars have you sold? Uh, I sold nine at rally and then I sold 13. So 21 total cars that I've sold. And, uh, I sold all 21 of those cars before I had ever bought my own. So, <laughs> so if I came to you and wanted to buy a car, yep. what would you tell me? I would tell you if you're buying a used car, um, and you can get on with your parents or if you have good enough credit yourself, go get a line of credit out from the bank. Cause it runs you like the salespeople hate it. Cause it's like, Oh shit, man, we're losing we you get money as a salesperson when they finance through that's how a lot of dealerships make a lot of their money is like working with banks and moving lots of money around and stuff so what they charge for interest on a used car standard 6.99 percent you get a line of credit and you pay that monthly at two percent you're better off to just go get a line of credit and use that to pay for the car and then make payments on the line of credit right so so, so you wouldn't try and screw me over no, no, man. That was the like. That was the worst thing. Was like, I couldn't do it. Like, I remember one guy bought a bought a van off me, and uh, I had taken it to a mechanic to get it looked at prior. And um, the mechanics were like, "Yeah, it's good. It's going to need a tire rod, and some other things, things that like were kind of going over my head. Really, I don't know a whole lot about cars. I'm starting to get into it, and." Um, I, I sold it to the guy and he was starting up his own business. He was a contractor from Prince Edward Island. And after I'd sold the car, it was a late Thursday night. I was lurking. And one of my coworkers is like, yeah, man. Yeah. I tried to, I took that to the mechanic. He told me the frame was rusted out. And I was like, man, I took it to the mechanic. They didn't say that to me. And I just sold this to the guy. And uh, like, that was hard. Like coming home and being like, man, that guy's trying to start a business. And here I am just selling him something that maybe isn't the best, even though, I took it to a mechanic, right? But I took it to a mechanic that I knew was probably just going to tell me what I wanted to hear because all the other salespeople do it as well. So now that's like, 
trick of the trade, maybe. I don't know. Lots of lots of times it's not a big deal. And usually they will point out the mistakes. But it feels like there's some heavy stuff in that lifestyle that you it takes a certain person to be able to separate life from work for sure. Yeah, I know my my uncle just started working there, Craig's dad. Yeah, Todd, man. I love Todd. Yeah. I haven't asked him how it's going, but uh I don't know. He's he seems like someone that could that could sell a car. I don't I don't know what the personality is. <laughs> yeah. No, Todd's actually Todd is Todd's a, a pretty good at it. He doesn't sell a lot of cars and sling them out and stuff, but he he knows lots of people and he does the research and takes the time to know the car and present it to people. He was doing pretty good and it's hard though. Like Todd was I mean, Todd was had so much going with the bowling lane and the spray net. And then when COVID happened, it like reset him. And now here he is. I, I don't know how Todd, how Todd would be 45, 55 range, I'd say. And he's just starting a new career. Right? Yeah. I think he's in his late 50s. Late 50s Todd, right? if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I don't know yeah, your sorry, age. Todd. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> so how, how does this van come into play? What inspired you to do this? Um, Mick Sosier, first of all, Mick Sosier had that van when we were, when we were in grade nine, Mick Sosier was the director of school spirit and, uh, I was a grade nine rep and he had that van. That van was the coolest thing I had ever seen. I always loved it. I took it to prom. I took it to prom twice. Like I fucking, I, I love that thing. Am I allowed to swear? I've been swearing for a while. Uh, <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah i love that like i love the looks of the van and stuff and uh the past summer when i went out tree planting a lot of people have vans that they live out of and stuff just because it's um it's kind of like a payoff like if you pay a little you pay the money to have the van and you get the van as well but when you're out in the woods and you have a van to live in and you're sleeping in a van you feel better you'll plant some more trees you'll make some more money so it's a it's an investment in myself for sure as well wow. but the the main inspiration came from van life videos van life like looking into van life seeing how people cut their expenses and live out of a van and this would be me kind of dipping my toes in that possible possible lifestyle because right now i'm up in the airs with what i'm going to do in life and learning and everything of such so i'm just making sure i check everything out so mm -hmm. do you, are you going to be making a profit off of this when you plant trees or is it just volunteer work oh no you make yo you make bank bro you oh really yeah like it's like like if it was if i was i wouldn't be doing it for the the amount of work it is and the conditions you're under it would be like be hard to get someone to vol volunteer to do the kind of work that that gets done out there mm -hmm. you get paid around anywhere from 10 to 15 cents a tree i'd say and you put in as many trees as you can in a day and then you do it again the next day yeah mm -hmm. what are you going to be doing in between each province is it going to be like one straight road trip where you're going to be making stops like how is how is this going to work so going to be making some stops hopefully now with covid we need to send our employers a plan and how we're traveling and they want us to stick to it because we go to a bush camp in the in the woods 100 people pretty isolated be really bad if covid rolled up to the bush camp so we need to make sure that we're safe on our way there and stuff I want to do as much exploring as we can, not just, you know, through cities and stuff like that. Like I want to kind of see the back roads of Canada a little bit along the way. Uh, I'm taking Rowan, a tree planter friend of mine and Garrett, also a tree friend, tree planter friend who graduated with us. Garrett Lean, I could talk about that guy, man. He's got a soul of gold, like absolutely loved the man. 
And um, we have some people that we want to meet along the way, an artist who's a tree planter friend who has made a little piece for me to put in the van. I need to pick that up in Ottawa. And then we want to go down through to Toronto to see some other guys and pick people up and take it across. But the first few provinces, we'll probably do a little more exploring. But once we hit the prairies, it's probably going to be a straight shot over. We're just going mm-hmm. to head to BC. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to start a podcast, you said, out from the van. Yes. Yeah, I've got the, I've ordered, I've ordered all the equipment. I've got the little inverter thing so that I can plug stuff in. I'm really hoping it doesn't blow fuses and stuff. Like I'm really like, I'll figure it out if, if something's wrong before I leave, but I'm just hoping with what, what I have worked. But uh, the, the podcast that I would be looking into is uh, into making would be actually, I found the name of it, which was uh, I've been kind of, it's strange. I know that you started the podcast here as well. And it's like, uh, what's the saying here? Like one second of doing is worth more than 10 minutes of thinking. So I'm not entirely sure what I want to do with the podcast just yet, but I have an idea. And instead of sitting here thinking about it, kind of getting on it and going with that seems to be the best way to do it. And then things naturally fall into place. So with Elle's uh, artwork that she did, she has a little line on it that says a path worth taking. And I saw that and I was like, absolutely amazing. You know, a path worth taking, I'm kind of going and making my own path and I want to be able to interview these other people about their lives and how they perceive themselves and how they've understood their path and kind of really, I'm just going for infinite wisdom at the end of the day. Like I want to hear everyone's stories and know why they think the way they do, because I have a core belief that everyone believes they're doing the right thing. They, you know, people don't walk around thinking they're doing the wrong thing. Right. So oftentimes just listening and trying your best to understand will gain you more insight rather than telling someone they're wrong. So Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the hardest part of starting this for me was like actually getting it started because I had been wanting to do this for, I don't know, for maybe a, a couple of years now. I want, I've always wanted to like make content Yeah. and I kept saying like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I just never did it until, <laughs> yeah. so what I actually did was I told my bosses from the Aquinian which is the uh, St. Thomas newspaper that I'm an editor for. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, I'm doing this and I'm telling you because if I don't, I'm going to look like an idiot. So <laughs> here we are. And yeah. I still, I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. I'll be honest. <laughs> and for a good bit, you probably won't know what you're doing either. No. But that's what's been making this so exciting for me. It's just going with it and yeah, going onward with it. Um, but yeah, I, I envy you because I would love to just take a summer <laughs> and travel through Canada. I think that would be so awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. I had to make some tough decisions as in uh, flunk out of school and then uh, work real hard for a few for a little while, make as much money as I could and, uh, you know, deal with various, various things that have led me to this point where really it feels like it was my only option at the, at the end of it. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous because I could just do like I could just work I could just head back to school there's so many other things but in order for me to have gotten a little bit out of having gone through university not done well dropped out put myself into this scenario where I was a working man and then I end up finding myself out in the woods I feel like uh, to create a, a reasoning behind what I have done 
I, uh, I have this, I have the idea of running, running around with a van and creating something so that I have something to follow. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that's where it's ended up taking me so far. It's like as much of a opportunity it is and a possibility it is feels like that's it. This is what I wanted to do. This is what is getting done kind of thing. Yeah. I have, I don't have anyone who I've told to hold me accountable. It's just been all out there the whole time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask about university and mm. yourself. You said you didn't do all that well, and you mainly went there to play football, if I'm not yeah. <laughs> mistaken. And you had some injury problems. What were those problems that you had? So, um, I, sh- I, I rolled up to Acadia as a ripe 17 year old who was probably around six foot three, six, six foot four range and weighed like a buck 70. It was a very, like a stick. Like it was very, I hadn't hit the real dense part of puberty yet, really at the end of the day. And uh, I go to my first Axman practice and uh, we're not even in gear. We're not hitting people. It's just, we're doing warm up, man. And I dislocate my knee, my knee. It's my fibular head pops Jesus out. Christ. So first season, like my, I went to this school, like really, I was really unsure. I wanted to do a gap year. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to school, but one of the main factors was, um, if you take a year off, football teams are a lot less interested in you and giving you scholarships and things like that. And coming out of my football season in high school and then going and playing team Canada for the, in the international bowl is like, I had eyes on me. So it was like, okay, I, I'm going to go do this. Well, that was taken away, like the main factor, the thing that like confirmed going to Acadia as a good choice to me was gone the second I got there. And it's really first semester, second semester, like first year, second semester started to dip off. I I did okay grade wise and stuff right in the start, but uh, it, it took me a while to really understand that I had made a choice off of a decision, um, that had been taken away from me because of these injuries. And it spiraled me down like terrible mental illness paths where it would just be like, I'm unable to go train for the football team. And I feel as if uh, I'm not working as hard. And I feel, I project these emotions onto myself and how my peers view me. And then I just drag myself down. And it was so like, it was very, very tough. And it took me like a, a, a quite some time to start to understand that. And it was, in my second season where I had worked really, really hard and I had gotten up to being a starter. And uh, it was our last day of spring camp, which is the end of the year spring camp after exams, we have it and then you head home uh, for the summer. And it was the last day of spring camp that uh, I was going up in a drill against a guy named Chad. Chad was back at spring camp. This was Chad's fifth spring camp and he was coming back for a sixth season. And it was like, it, Chad is infamous, had uh, many stories to tell about Chad. But uh, I love telling this story because I know Chad that like, I know it weighs on Chad a little bit, but he doesn't really bother, bother him because we're friends. But Chad, when we were doing the drill, pulls my arm and it pops out. I dislocate my shoulder, which is still a running problem that I can't get rid of. Well, Chad didn't even come back to play his sixth year. So his last practice at Acadia was just pulling my shoulder out and then leaving. Harnishing <laughs> the career of Drew Guimond. Yeah, that was the end of it right there. And I went and had surgery. And then after surgery, went to plant trees that summer. And uh, that's uh, then we lead up to the current times of where I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So you, you didn't go to school for the, your third year, did you? That, that would have been last year. Yeah, I was there for the first half of the year. So the first, like I dropped out at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And you said you kind of realized my grades were terrible, but I did, I did willingly drop out. (laughs) Right. And because you said you realized that you were just there to play football and that kind of the whole purpose of going to school was to play football. Yeah. And that wasn't there anymore. (laughs) I was just kind of floundering. Yeah. And how, how did you feel? Like, I know personally, when I stopped playing basketball in grade 12, I have no scholarship offers. I'm thinking, what the fuck am I doing with myself? Yeah. And I've, I have like nothing to push for. Did you feel that same type of feeling? Yeah, absolutely. It's like nothing, nothing to work towards, to grind towards, nothing to, you know, kind of dump that soul into a little bit. It's a different mm-hmm. kind of work when it comes to a thing that you're passionate about, where it's, it's like it's work but it's doesn't it's it's not the the negative feeling of what work is associated with all the time right. and then that being taken away is like a yo that's a it's like a, it's a, not a fun spot man like sports going gone in life that's tough like yeah i see i see more and more people like joining men's league and stuff and i'm like i totally understand like as a when i was playing high school sports i was like who plays in men's leagues and now i'm like okay yeah i get it <laughs> like <laughs> there's some people that say they're like well what does it really matter you're just you're just stopping playing like i don't see the big deal but really it's like who are you influencing now what what are you pushing for your teammates that you consider brothers it's like Mm -hmm. that's all gone and it's a whole part of your life in the past yeah um but yeah we we had spoken about this whole self-identity mission yeah do you think that this is kind of like a finding for or not a finding but like uh what am i trying to say here a a search yeah i don't know how i didn't think of that word but (laughs) (laughs) i got you man i got you do you think this is uh, like a search for you yeah absolutely absolutely it's uh it, it comes to a point where it's like i've well, I've like I've gone through a whack of of phases in my life. In my life, we'll say, from high school being like I like I graduated with the Henry Birch Medallion for leadership. I student body president, football captain, played on the hockey team as assistant captain, improv. Yeah, yeah, I was very involved. Did lots. Um, lived lived a, a, a like what would be considered a good life. You know, like you look from the outside looking in, it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, and then I went to Acadia where it was only football oriented and then football was taken away. And I ended up not being involved with stuff and had way more time on my hands than I was used to. Um, now, being in that negative environment, I say negative environment because I was unhappy being there because I was there for the wrong reasons. Uh, and the time led me to kind of create a false identity of who I was off of the other people who had seen me, perceived me, uh, what I thought of myself, you know. And then I ended up creating something that isn't the person that I've built up throughout my life. It wasn't the person that I was. So I, I knew I had to change that. And now I'm, I'm getting back out into, into life, we'll say. I say life because at, uni- at university, I felt kind of held down. Like I couldn't expand that bubble of my life that I was in. 
so now I'm getting back to this portion where I'm expanding my life again. And uh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a search to nail down who I think that real Drew guy is. But the further I get into it, the more I start to realize, like, it, it always, it's always changing. Like, uh, always a different person. Every time you're looking for an answer, it's like the second I hear something from someone else, well, now my thoughts are completely dictated by, okay, well, this exists as well. So search for who I am, yeah, absolutely. Search just for anything, <laughs> something. I, we, we, we end up at this, at this wall of like, I'm looking for something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a passion, kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, like a passion. Mm -hmm. Something I remember, to uh, keep you going. I remember leaving high school, the most uncertain I've ever been with myself because yeah. I... You, I felt all this pressure to go to university and I had decided on St. Thomas, which honestly at the time I probably shouldn't have. I'm glad I did. Yeah. But like I said, you stop playing basketball, had people kind of tell me things that weren't the most uh, positive reinforcing. Yeah. Um, just a, a dark time, you could say, really just of uncertainty yeah yeah find a lot of the time the darkest times come from those moments of absolute uncertainty where mm -hmm. there's no direction to look at right so when there's a direction to look at you can find hope most of the times yeah um i got this wooden chair you want to see it yeah sure man awesome it's from ikea yeah my favorite thing to do is just throw 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 people off sometimes i'm sorry Yo, you know who does that? Christian Baker. Yeah, he does do that. He does do that. He'll just stare at you sometimes. Yeah, he's a weird guy sometimes, but, you know, we love him. Yeah, we love him. We love him. You used to do improv, so you're probably pretty good at that. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, improv is one of the – is a, a staple in my, in my growing, I'd say. It was, uh, I started improv in grade 10, the year I didn't make student council. Of course, Sanderson had won that year. So I was like, I need a new hobby. I'm going to try out for improv. And that, that shit's dope, you know. That is so fun. Like, it's uh, one of the most accepting communities ever. And people, like, people get up. It takes a lot to get up on stage and just make things up. Like, one of the big portions of improv is really committing to what you're doing. And to do that, you need to kind of drop down those barriers, which is a pretty scary thing to do. Uh, Improv teaches a lot of life lessons across things that have helped me to be successful in other areas of life. Uh, one of the things being accepting offers, which is a, an improv thing, basically just, you know, go, accepting offers is basically listening. It's like, right. I, I'm looping back to having said, listening to someone's story rather than figuring out what's wrong with it, you know, listening to someone accepting that offer and letting it settle for a second before you make a response is uh, one of the things improv has taught me that I love. I had some great memories with improv, man. We went to nationals three times yep. and uh, it was in Ottawa and we were just like, we were kids on an improv team uh, and we would uh, we'd be in Ottawa for a week's time, nationals. We'd perform one night. We made finals. We'd get to perform on the last night. Now, we never made finals. There was teams there that you know, we're art schools and stuff like that. We were a self-coached group of seven kids who were having just a blast. But we would uh, 
we'd sneak out sometimes. Don't tell anyone. We'd sneak out and uh, say we were going to our workshops and stuff. And then just wander, just wander the big city, a bunch of small, new, small town, New Brunswick kids. Man, there's uh, some pretty fond memories there. Yeah. You probably need those skills too when, uh, when you were selling cars. Yeah, no, it, it translated pretty well to that. It's, uh, selling a car is a lot like just keeping a scene going and dictating the scene in your direction. So, Right. And you'll need that too when you start podcasting. Um, yes. Because sometimes you draw blanks. <laughs> when you're interviewing <laughs> on occasion man no, on yeah. occasion, it happens it happens and it can be really embarrassing sometimes but <laughs> just going with the flow like we said um yes, so going into this whole journey of yours what are you looking forward to the most hmm. uh, say uh, looking forward the most to starting up the podcast and um not so much the outreach of the podcast that it might have in the in, in such, but having the arsenal of all these interviews and conversations I've had with people at my disposal to look back on to understand and to what the direction I'm going in in life is based off of. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what I'm looking for out in the woods and stuff, the people who are going to be talking are going to be people who are taking a similar path to what I am currently on. And uh, I'm really excited for to have the reassurance of those other people through the through the interviews, knowing that you know people have been to dark spots, people have gone down these these paths where eventually you got to turn around and make a change. Um, I'm excited to have that at my at my fingertips, being able to look at that, so that whenever I start to feel myself slipping into a bad mental state, then I can pull that back and go, "Hey, remember this? Remember the lessons you learned here?" That as well as driving a van across the country, which is going to be so sick. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, what's your setup like in the van? So currently uh, I have, it's four captain chairs. So the driver's seats, the passenger seats, and then the two back seats, they all swivel and do turns. So what I have right now is a table that is a Monopoly board. It's like a, a game board. It's got Monopoly, Scrabble, chess. You buy them at Costco screwed to a table and it sits in the middle the mic's attached to that but you end up with the four chairs turned all facing each other and behind that i'm going to have a backdrop of the artwork that i was talking about from my friend ellis and um i'm going to have the camera facing from the windshield back and i'm going to get the guests to sit in the driver's seat because i want to have the emphasis being on this is your interview this is your time to speak i don't want to record right away i'd probably say an hour or so of getting them to speak first and, you know, kind of loosening things up, getting on the same page and then recording just our mine and my co-hosts, whether it be Garrett or Rowan in that seat, that's a game time decision who we're talking to. It depends who's, who would uh, feed the other person's energy the best. That's why I also want to do the hour beforehand. Uh, so it's going to be shot back. You're going to see the drop, the backdrop, but it's going to be looking just over the shoulder of the driver's seat and the passenger seat. So all my guests are going to be anonymous. They, can choose to be on camera if they want. They can choose to give out their name, but they don't have to. So you're going to be picking up random strangers and putting them in the van. Uh, yeah, if we find a hitchhiker who wants to get in, yeah. <laughs> Is the van yeah. going to be white? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does have free candy written on the side. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> should have no problem getting, getting uh, guests in. <laughs> are you going to have internet in it? No. No. 
you know, no internet. If I need internet, I'll drive uh, drive to Starbucks. What a life! No internet. Could you imagine? Oh man, it's this past summer out in the woods, no phone. This past summer was fucked, man. Like, like I came out like the news cycle must have been absolutely treacherous. Like, like the riots going on for the Black Lives Matter movement, COVID happening, things just being absolutely scattered. Like, I broke my phone two weeks into tree planting. I think fell drought dropped destroyed so i just didn't have a phone for two and a half three months and like it was nice like not not being connected like i think a lot of our unhappiness comes from the fact that we always are connected and then the expectations within that connection is to continue to connect even though sometimes you don't need that yeah yeah definitely agree with that i'm always on my phone trying to connect with people on twitter and instagram <laughs> and it's just an endless cycle like it it gets pretty bad when linkedin is part of your social Ooh. media rotation oh you got linkedin on the rotation now uh i did i i had okay. to uh once that happened i thought to myself i gotta reevaluate my plans here because yeah. something something isn't going yeah. um yeah this would be a weird summer or last summer would have been a weird summer to like not have connection to the world with everything going on like you mentioned yeah, yeah it was it was a it was a, a strange i actually it was in edmonton uh right before our last two weeks of planting we got into edmonton and i was able to go visit a friend who i had he was actually the starting free safety who position that i played at acadia his name is brandon jennings and i got to see him uh right before going back into the woods just because i knew he was in the edmonton area turned out he was only 10 minutes from where we were staying so i got to go see him and like, I still hadn't had a phone or anything, hadn't been connected or anything. And I was just like chatting with him. He's like, how long have you been in the woods for? And I was like, told him I've been in the woods since uh, January, February, March, April, May, May. And he's like, okay, we need to talk. And ran through everything in the world that was happening. Like, like it seemed it, like personally, my expect, like my beliefs and my expectations, nothing had changed there, like in what was going on. But uh, it seemed like it was a big cultural shift that had happened and uh, something that I was completely unaware of, but happy to see. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a weird, weird time because I wasn't really a part of any of it. And I got a little bit of information on it. And then I was back in the woods for two, three more weeks. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Just getting a quick update and then going back into the woods. A quick update back to the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so when you're going into this van and traveling around, what, where are you going to be sleeping? Like, where are you going to park the van? See, now you're thinking farther ahead than I ever have, Billy. <laughs> I uh, probably a dark spot under a tree. I mean, uh, I'll probably lock the doors at nighttime. Um, actually, you know what? I'll be traveling with some other guys along the way, so they're probably they're probably not going to want to stay in the van. There's going to be four of us in there be a tight squeeze they probably want to get like a hotel room or something so i'll probably just uh park outside the hotel room or maybe i'll sleep in a hotel bed who knows you know doesn't that defeat the purpose though that's why i said it the way i did i was like yeah. <laughs> uh, i can't read sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i hope to stay in the van as much as i can but mm -hmm. i know that right before going into the woods knowing that i'm going to be on that on that bed i'll be like yo hotel don't sound too bad right about now so <laughs> yeah fair enough do you have like an oven in there too 
I can't remember no, if you said that. No. So uh, it's a travel van. Weird. They how, could... how are you going to be making meals? Uh, I'm along the road, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, eat, you know, a couple of things like that. Once you get to camp, they take care of all your food for you. They make all the food. So it's, uh, it's uh, the only time I have to worry about food is on the, on the go. Mm-hmm. and uh honestly probably a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like i can live off them man it doesn't bother me one bit so <laughs> yes sir yes um well, you're a college student you've been there a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a week or what <laughs> yeah peanut butter jelly craft dinner mr noodles you name oh, it yes, sir. i remember That's first year day. first year when uh i lived in residence they would close residence or um the uh meal hall after like eight o'clock yeah and i had no money so I, I didn't have any snacks in my room. So I used to, I used to like waterlog myself at the fountain before bed, <laughs> just so I wouldn't go to bed hungry. I think I lost about 20 pounds that year. <laughs> you want to talk about being a stick? Holy shit, man. You know, freshman 15, but the opposite, really. Yeah, exactly. I don't get what everyone says about this freshman 15, because I, I had no money. I couldn't eat. <laughs> I, uh... I had a period of time there where I had no money. This was the second year, I think it was. And um, I like telling this story because it's an instance of good fortune coming back your way from being a good person. I had loaned out $20 to Zach Gould because he couldn't do his, um, couldn't do his laundry. And uh, I had like, I like things, things like that come and go with me. Like I, like it's not something I'm not one to keep track of that stuff. It's like a hit me back later. I'll get you back. I'm not worried. If I know your character as a good person, I don't mind. Like, well, um, I ended up running out of money, you know, EI issues. My EI didn't come in. And uh, it's probably a month or two. Uh, I'd say about a month and a half when my bank account was at zero dollars. And I was just like living off food around the uh, around the apartment in my second year. A lot of cereal and a lot of cereal and ground beef, just like just ground beef and rice, like things like that. Mm. Uh, but uh, I made a post and I was like, Hey Zach on my friends only Instagram. I made the post. and I was like, Hey Zach, man, can you give me that $20 back, you know, for your, for your laundry? Like I need to eat. He's like, all right, dope. I got you. Well then followed by that everyone. Cause I had made a post. I was like, thank you, Zach, for your donation. And then after that, all my friends started sending me money. So I ended up getting like 115, $120. And, uh, I blew it all in a night. <laughs> 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 it was a really good time. It was a great night. What, what did you blow it on? Uh, it was my brother's girlfriend at the time's birthday. And she was super sweet, especially when I was broke. She'd like buy me iced coffee and shit. So I was like, yeah, this is for you. This is for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I came in like two weeks later. So I was good. What is Brant up to these days anyway? Brant right now. Brant just got into Crandall for his Bachelor of Education. Oh, you know what? I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw that on Facebook. Last time I saw him was at the Fox and Hound. Oh, baby. Over Christmas break, him and uh, I want to say Jack Seeley, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Jack Seeley would be uh, a boy Brant would be caught at the Fox and Hound with for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah played, a lot of, played a lot of ball with Brant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys, well, I remember going to a tournament where you were on the team when uh, when I was younger. I said, like, I have so many memories of just being at tournaments and watching games. Yeah. Were you in PEI? Was that, was that, that, that was in PEI. Yeah. Yeah. That was in. Uh, was it grade 11 or grade 12? Would have been grade 11 because my brother was on the Oh, team. that's right. Yeah, and we had the, uh, they had that like dance or something. Dude, that was cool. They should and do you, that at more sporting events. Yeah, and you pretended like, to be Ben Pugsley. Yeah, man. Because only people on the team could go. 
but yeah. Ben wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. That started a long joke, actually, on, on improv. It was like, if I, I'm Ben Bugsley and you're Ben Bugsley, who's flying the plane? <laughs> Do you remember Hannah B? Hannah B. That was one of the ongoing jokes that we had after that. Hannah B. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, Dude, and, I searched and searched. I couldn't figure out who it was. We I went through the pamphlets. I was like, is it this one? Uh, I think she was one of the volunteers there. So she wasn't on any of the team team nameless. I think she was from from Amherst, I think. Oh, wait, is it going to be the one uh, on Snapchat? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember Hannah B. (laughs) She was a lovely lady. She was a lovely lady. Fantastic. We we named a play after her. Really, eh? Yeah, I remember Brant. Brant was our point guard, and he'd walk down the floor, and he'd yell, Hannah B, Hannah B. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that was a fun weekend. Uh, yeah, that was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. Brent's actually playing uh, playing for the Mustangs this summer. He's coming back to retirement. Oh, the uh, Moncton Mustangs, the uh, senior football team, right? Yes. Yeah, I played a season with them. It was a good season. Yeah, I did that before going into my second year at Acadia because I wanted to get better at football, and then my shoulder <laughs> sad days. But playing with the Mustangs was great. They're, it's a it's a good group of guys, and you know, they love having the young guns around too. Man, like mm-hmm. I get that. My favorite part of it was then they'd invite me to be on their uh, Parley Beach Seven on Seven team. Oh, that, that, yeah. that's a or was it Seven on not Seven on Seven? Yeah, the, uh, the rugby tournament. Yeah, I said Seven on Sevens. I know that's the rugby tournament. I meant flag football. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know you played rugby. No, I did go to one practice, but I was a track and field guy through and through. So, yeah, I gave rugby a shot and I played a little bit at university, but actually I had a similar story to yours. I, I, after my first year, I'd worked super, super hard to make, to be a starter. I started my first game of my second season. I was a starter and I got a concussion and broke my nose because some dude sucker punched me i don't know why i was just in the area and he just punched me and <laughs> i it, it broke my nose because i'm kind of a pussy and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. well i can't play anymore so yeah. i finished up the game and then i had to miss a couple weeks lost Damn. my starting spot and at the yeah. end i said you know what fuck this and i quit rugby <laughs> yeah yeah it feels like uh to me university level sport felt like a uh felt like a pit for effort in time it was like it requires a lot of effort time it like you know it's a lifestyle to be successful in something like that and unless you're seeing the results you want it feels like that effort and time is just wasted even though it's added towards a product that you want at the end until you see the results it's really hard to have that faith that it's going to work out especially when you get an injury and it sets you back three months like mm-hmm. Yeah, I only had a minor injury. It sent me back a couple of weeks, but that was enough to lose my starting spot and then yeah, just kind of lose my drive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I feel you on that. Um, that sports be tough. We're, we're closing up close to an hour here. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up that I may have missed? Huh. Huh. Good question, Billy. Thanks, Drew. Uh, one thing I believe in that uh, 
given a platform to talk about it, which I'll probably talk a good bit about on the pod when I get it up and running, is a switch from uh, mental health advocacy to mental illness advocacy. I think that uh, a lot of things that are going on in our environment today, although very much trying to be helpful uh, in the mental health realm, is majorly based on mental health. Well, mental health is usually what's lacking when it comes to mental illness. A lot of people don't get into the nitty gritty signs of mental illness that come around. Uh, rather, we talk about the positives and the goods and, and such like that, which is what I kind of want to, a philosophy of mine that I'm building upon is that these dark times are sometimes some of our most valuable as people in terms of what you can learn and what you can take away from it. So uh, I know Harry Kim, Harry Kim out there would say something different, man. Harry Kim's got a different perspective on that philosophy, but uh, that's for another time. So that's a, that's an interesting take. So yeah, well, let's talk about Harry. What's Harry's philosophy. Well, Harry, Harry has a philosophy that, uh, uh, well, it, it's, it's backed by some studies and such. So oh. it's like, Harry always hits me with these facts and stuff, man, that he's gotten from school and being smart. Uh, but it's that uh, trauma is meaningless and that there's nothing to be made from trauma. Like, now I'm putting Harry on the spot here in context, and that's my understanding of what Harry said. I'm telling you, Harry, Harry will get on here and fully explain it to you. But it was shown that something has shown uh, that uh, it's like the more you try and take something out of a trauma, it's like regressive, not progressive. But hey, it works for me. Works for me, you know. That's um, hmm. Not, I'm not quite sure what to think of that. Yeah, it's a, but Harry has some. And now, once again, I'm paraphrasing here. This is my understanding of what Harry had said. Mm-hmm. Harry had sent me some things where it's like links to articles he has read and and such like that. And Harry's my most reliable source for anything. It's funny, like usually you do, you want to do your own research and background check things and such. But uh, Harry, Harry Kim's one of the guys where it's like if he sends me something, then I'm like, okay, so this is real. <laughs> Harry yeah. Kim's already done the work. Yeah, I know my roommates. I don't know if you know I'm living with Cameron. Yeah, and Parker. But, I'm seeing uh, Cameron and Parker tomorrow night. Oh, oh yeah, because Parker's going to uh, Moncton, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They like to send, or most mostly Cam. He likes to send me some studies about uh, some some political conversations we have mm-hmm. um, that I won't go into, but <laughs> it's uh, definitely some interesting topics out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Kim. Great guy. Uh, you bring up a name though. And I'm going to say, I love them no matter what. I just like people. So. <laughs> You've always been that type of guy. Fine. You're just easygoing really. Oh yeah. If, if I don't like you, you probably fucked up, man. Like <laughs> how many people are out there that you don't like? Probably like around five. Uh, I'd say around five. And what have they done? Um, let's see. Blame shift. Put, put, take blame off themselves, put it onto other people. Um, know it alls. Know it all. Okay, actually, I'll talk about that guy. That guy's name is Ben. I planted trees with him. He said to another guy, another Ben, whose full name was Benjamin, but his full name was not Benjamin. He's like, since your full name is Benjamin and my name is Ben, everyone should call you Benjamin and I'm Ben. So we started calling him douchebag Ben from there on out. But, uh, <laughs> He, he knew everything. He was just one of those bad vibes from a guy. Um, 
That's just such a simple request, though. Oh, man, come on. You can't go out there and just be like, nah, you're not Ben. I'm Ben. No, that, that irked me. I was just sitting there like, what is this guy saying? Uh, making fun of people. I've been in two fights in my life, both of which were on the behalf of other people. Like, yeah. I don't um, Let's see. I'm going through the people. Uh, being a shitty boss. Dude, if you're like a boss and you use your, use your boss powers to make people feel uncomfortable, like, yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. That's not that's not directed towards my last boss, by the way. You're a great guy, and I know that you're conscious of these kind of things. I, I really like you. It's a, it's a previous. It's, his name was John. He sucked. <laughs> there's only yeah, there's not a lot of people out there I don't like though. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's good to stay positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Drew, I think uh, I think this has been a delightful conversation. Yes, it's nice talking to you, Billy. And uh, hopefully, I'd love to have you back on and have like updates from each province. Yeah, for sure. I... Good sure, man. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any tips, feedback, ideas, you can email me at billycole8 at outlook.com or at maritimedeluxe at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at billycole underscore or the podcast Instagram, which is Maritime Deluxe. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time.